Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. I was going to put my shoes on before I came up after worship, but then I realised I would have been the very first person up here to have shoes on tonight, so I've left them off, staying cash. (laughs) So apologies if you have an issue with bare feet. You possibly are in the wrong church. (laughs) Just... Or just hang around till winter and then we all get cold feet and put our shoes back on. <laughs> anyway, so being a bit more serious, tonight we are continuing on with our series um, looking at Jesus and how he's depicted in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we want to see how Jesus lived and how he carried out his ministry and hopefully find ways that we can imitate him in our own lives. So, Last week, Chris shared the heart behind this message um, or this series, and it comes from the parable of the sower. So in the parable of the sower, um, Jesus uses an image of a farmer sowing seed and it falling on different types of soil and producing different results depending on the soil. We want to be a community of fertile soil which produces an abundant harvest in our lives. So it says in Luke, there it is, the seed that fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. And this is what we want to see for us. It's certainly what I want to see in my life. Each week, we're focusing on a different aspect of um, what we see Jesus doing and how he brings about harvest in his life and fruit in his life. Um, So I'm going to focus on one thing. Um, And it's something that God has really been putting on my heart throughout the beginning of this year. He's really been speaking to me a lot in this area, so it's a real privilege that I get to share some of it with you guys, Um, because I really want to invite you on the journey that God is taking me on, and we can maybe do some of this journey together as we go forward. So we're going to be looking at how Jesus was guided by God, and how we can be guided as well. We're going to uh, dip in and out of a couple of passages in Luke. But we're going to start off in Luke 9. So if you have a Bible, you can grab that. Where we are picking up the story is Jesus has just sent the disciples out on their own for the very first time. So they've been sent out to to spread the message, the good news that Jesus is bringing, to perform miracles and all kinds of amazing things. And they have just returned. They've just come back where, when we get to this passage. So let me just read a few verses for us. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But 
the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Um, A little aside, a bit of Bible trivia here for you. This is one of the first times that the disciples are called the apostles. And it really marks a transition for them. So up until now, the disciples are called the disciples. Disciples are students. So they've been, their role and their job has been uh, listening and learning from Jesus. But now they are apostles. And apostles are the ones that are sent out. So it's this real pivotal point for the disciples slash apostles that they're now stepping into their new role of being sent out by Jesus. And so this is, Jesus sees this as a real, really key teaching time for his apostles. They've just come back, they're full of, you can imagine, having just gone out and seen all these miracles, they'd come back, their head spinning and so excited by all they've seen and all they've been a part of. And Jesus just, we can see in this first verse, he wants to take them away and sit them down and, and you know, debrief and, and problem solve and answer all their questions. And, you know, this is Jesus' heart in that first verse that I see there. He, Jesus really wants to capture this teaching time. But then something happens as we're reading. So that's verse 10. But then in verse 11, Jesus completely pivots. And in an instant, he changes from being really focused on wanting to invest in and teach his disciples to being focused on the crowd and ministering to them, teaching them about the kingdom of God, healing them. So what's happened? I think what's happened is that God's allowed his very well-laid plans to be completely side, sidetracked by and taken captive by what God wants him to do. So Jesus has heard in the midst of what he's doing, in the midst of him going about his day, Jesus has heard God say, no, that's not what I want you to do today. What I want you to do today is minister to the crowds that have come around. And so Jesus put aside his very good, well-laid plans and chose to do what Jesus had asked him to do, had put in front of him. Now, as I read this passage, I felt God speaking to me pretty clearly. And God said to me, Mandy, are you willing to let me override your plans? To take the plans that I've made for today, throw them out and give you my good and better plans. What about my plans for this week, this year, for the rest of my life? Are you willing, Mandy, to let me take those plans that I have sorted in my head and replace them with my own, with God's plans? And um, I realised that I'm happy to follow God when I feel as though I'm in control. But God was asking me to allow him to take the reins, to be in control. And that requires a whole other level of trust, a whole 
next level of surrender to him that I'm only just starting to step into. Because I am a planner. I don't know about you, I'm sure some of you are planners as well. I like to know what's going on, I make lists, I've got a pretty good idea of where I want to go and how I'm going to get there and when I'm going to get there. Um, It's all marked out. My route through life is planned. But the question God's been asking me, and I think he might be asking some of you as well, how willing am I to allow him to change my plans? Will I allow God to take the reins and determine my path ahead? Now, I'm not suggesting that we should give up planning. Heaven forbid. Um, That is not what we see Jesus do. Jesus makes plans prayerfully and carefully. But the trick is to hold those plans lightly, to have our ears open to God and to change direction when we feel God's prompting to do that. All right. Let's go back and look at how Jesus did it, how he was able to listen to God and follow his promptings. I'm amazed. He's so completely tuned in to what God is saying to him that he can hear God's voice in the midst of the busyness around him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about... Uh, Jesus and his time on earth, I sometimes get a picture of what his life might have looked like, and it's something like this. You know, so this is Jesus and the disciples kind of wandering through the countryside, and it's, you know, really mellow and lovely and look like idyllic, you know, green plants and everything around, and really peaceful. But actually, I'm not sure that that's what Jesus' life was like. In fact, in Luke 12, It says, a crowd of many thousands are gathered so that they were trampling on one another. That's a very different image. So I think it actually looked a bit more like this. Ben, can you play that for me? Oh. Oh, it's gone. Never mind. Okay. Well, are we going to get it back or not? Maybe not. Doesn't matter. Um, Oh, there it is. Yes, 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 no, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So I think this is a lot more of what it might have looked like around Jesus. (laughs) All right, Ben, I think you can stop that now. I'm about done with Justin Bieber. All right, so... I am not suggesting that Justin Bieber has any other relation, you know, any other resemblance to Jesus. He may or may not. But <laughs> these crazy crowds of a rock concert is much more, I think, what it looked like around Jesus. These crowds trampling each other. They were so keen to get close to him, to get a blessing, to get healing. And yet God, and let Jesus was able to hear God in the midst of this. That really convicts me because my life doesn't look anything like that. Surprise, surprise. Um, And yet sometimes I find it hard, often I find it hard to listen to God and to hear what he is saying to me right here, right now. 
So, how did Jesus manage it? Well, I think, and I think you can probably agree, that he, Jesus is able to hear God because he spent a lot of time listening. I did a quick skim through uh, Luke to see the times that Jesus withdrew to spend time hanging out with God. And so I just wanted to do a quick skim through and see if we can do that. Oh, I think, Ben, you might have to do this. My little clickery thing's not doing this for me. No, come back. Okay, never mind. I shall just read them. All right. In Luke 4, it says, As at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. In Luke 5, and I think this is the best one that captures it really well, the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, it goes on. Luke 9, again, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Luke 21, each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. So that's quite a collection. And we hear of uh, it happening other times in, uh, in the other Gospels as well. So Jesus obviously spent time doing this. And I think there are a couple of really important things we can learn from Jesus modelling spending time with God in this way. So let me pull a few of these out for us. First of all, clearly, Jesus frequently found time to withdraw and be with God. He had so many lives, so many demands put upon him every day. But he chose to leave things undone so that he could spend time with his father. I think Jesus could have served and ministered 24 hours a day for the time he was on earth and still only a fraction of the needs that were in front of him would have been addressed and satisfied. So he allowed things to remain undone so that he could spend time with God. Now, I think my life is pretty busy, and, you know, it is, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to Jesus' life and the demands that, the, the pressures that he felt. So perhaps I can find some time to step out of my busyness and listen to God. The next thing I noticed in these passages is that it didn't look the same all the time. On some days, Jesus uh, snuck off at daybreak to spend time with God. This would not be my preferred option, by the way. <laughs> Definitely not. Not a morning person. At other times, he spent the evening or the night in prayer. Sometimes he withdrew on his own, sometimes with some of his disciples, sometimes with all of his disciples. 
this realisation has been incredibly liberating for me. Um, for a long time, I used to think that the time I should spend with God had to be first thing in the morning, and it had to be a certain amount of time, and I had to do these particular things. And it was never great. Like I said, I'm not a morning person, and it just... You know, God never got the best of me. 6am Mandy is not, not great. And so it was always an impediment between me and God. So, you know... Oh, look. Thanks, guys. Um, so it's been really liberating to realise that um, Jesus found God in, at dif- in different ways and at different times, and I can do that too. Um, I've learnt that God is always there waiting for me, waiting for me just to turn to him, and there he is. It's not like he's only on call between 6am and 8am on, you know, Sydney, Australia time, and then after that he's moved on to different time zones and he's just kind of not available. So that's really good. I'm very glad about that. All right, so I'm going to be practical for a minute, and I'm going to say that you should find what works for you, just as Jesus on different days has done different things to connect with God. We all could and should do the same thing. So I've kind of, over the years, and particularly more recently, developed this kind of toolkit of uh, resources I use and things I do that I know help me connect with God. It's going to be different for everyone, but I just thought I'd, I'd give you a bit of my toolkit and um, because you might get some ideas from here that are helpful. So I've got a couple of worship playlists on my Spotify account and I enjoy listening to those. Um, I like prayerfully reading over scriptures that God might have put on my heart, maybe something that was shared on Sunday um, and I just go back and spend time sitting with that. Sitting in silence before God, I'm not great at this. I'm a bit twitchy and fidgety, but I'm learning and it's really beautiful when I have those little moments where I can just sit before God and allow him to bless me and minister to me and just enjoy soaking in his presence. I can find God when I go for a walk on the beach or in the bush, usually with Cosmo the dog, and I have a nice chat to God along the way. There's a bunch of resources I like to use. Um, there's an app called Pray As You Go, which, was, which has been put out by an Ignatian seminary in Scotland, I think. And it's this really nice 10 or 15 minutes audio of Bible verse, uh, some music and a really nice reflection and prayer based on that. And I'll often use that in the car on the way to work. Um, there are some devotions called, called The Reservoir, which I'm really enjoying at the moment. Again, short, they only take a couple of minutes, but they're a really good way to just connect with God. And they're put out by an organisation called Renovare, which you can find online. I know quite a few people here have used the Bible in one year, put out by um, the folks that do Alpha, Holy Trinity Brompton. They're great as well. And as Chris said, we have our own Lent devotions. How good is that? Um, so, yeah, get on the email and, and get into those devotions if you can. Lent is such a good time to be thinking about this. Um, 
it's for the past 2,000 years, it has been the time that Christians have chosen to put something aside so that they can get closer to God in the lead up to Easter, because Lent is all about preparing yourself for Easter, remembering and remembering Christ's crucifixion and celebrating his resurrection. So some people fast, some people give up chocolate, can't do that, uh, or wine or social media, and all of those can be great, and if you're doing that, that's awesome. Um, but maybe God is prompting you to give up some of your time, to spend a bit more time connecting with him um, over this Lenten season. All right. I want to die. If you have any questions about any of those, or if you've got any other great ideas of things that have blessed you, I would love to hear that. Always happy to put more things in my toolbox. But first of all, I'd like to dive back into the passage and draw out just a bit more gold from there. So, another thing that we see is that Jesus captured God's heart when he spent time with him. So if I go back to the passage. uh, So Jesus is off with the disciples. He's about to start teaching them, but... The crowd learned about it and they followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So this exact same um, sequence of events is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And in Matthew and Mark, they give us one other really important and interesting bit of information. And that is that when the crowds were there, Jesus felt compassion for them and showed them compassion. And what he's really doing is he is seeing the crowds through God's eyes. He is being God's compassion to the people in front of him. And I think that's a really important thing that happens to us as we spend more time with God. We start seeing the world through his lenses. It's like putting another pair of glasses on. I was actually um, with mum at a concert in town yesterday. I took her to the symphony. Very civilised. And for a while I took my glasses off just because I was a bit sick of wearing them. And all the, the um, musicians up on the stage were a bit fuzzy and I didn't really, couldn't really see them very well because I really should be wearing my glasses. And then I put them back on and suddenly I could, they all came in focus and I could see that the pianist who was playing was having such a good time. And it, she was just really enjoying it. She had this beaming grin on her face. And putting the glasses back on, I was able to really enter in and enjoy the symphony at a whole nother level because I was seeing it more clearly. And I think when we spend time with God and see the world through his lenses more clearly, life is so much richer, so much more wonderful. And so that's what I want. I want to be able, in my own life, to see the world through God's lenses more effectively. Spending time with him will do that. What about you? Is there a particular person who you want to see as God sees them? Or is there a situation in your life at the moment that you're struggling with and you really want to be able to put God's lenses on 
and see that situation from God's point of view rather than your own? If you've answered yes, then put that before his feet and ask him for that and he will give it to you. All right. I've left the most important point, probably, till last. So if you go home tonight remembering only one thing of everything that I've said, I'll be disappointed. But make it this. Jesus was drawn to spend time with his father out of love. It was all about love and relationship. He wasn't motivated to spend time with God out of guilt. So I hope I am not putting a guilt trip on anyone here. It is all about being drawn to the Father by his love for you. And that is what captures you and wants you to take time away and, and spend time with him. Because we know that he loves us more than we could even imagine. And he is waiting for us waiting for us to turn to him. So that's my prayer for each of us tonight, that our hearts would be enlarged, um, that we would sense the Father's amazing love for us, that we would know that he is right here beside us, always waiting for us to turn to him. So I want to finish with a quote from one of my favourite authors, Richard Foster, um, from his book On Prayer. And I think, yes, there it is. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. And he is inviting you and me to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. So I want to give us a bit of a chance to respond to that. So do we all want to stand? Um, as I was praying for tonight, uh, I feel as though there are three things that God might want to do for some of us here. So one is, I'm wondering if this suggestion that you might want to spend more time committed to spending time away with God over this Lent season has touched you. Um, God, you might just hear God tugging at your heartstrings, calling you into more intimacy with him. If that's you, I'd like you to get prayer for that tonight. And also tell someone, choose to be accountable. Tell someone tonight that you really want to make carve out more time for him over these next couple of weeks and ask that person to check back in with you in a few weeks' time or next week. The other thing I thought God might want to do is give some of you different lenses to see something that you have going on in your life. Whether it's a person that's in your life at the moment or a situation that you're struggling with, 
God really wants to come in, stand beside you and give you his eyes for that person and help you plot a way through. Um, And the last thing, is God prompting you to change your plans, your well-laid plans for him, big or small? Does he want you to change what you're doing today, this week, for the next 10 years? That is the question that perhaps God is asking you. He's wanting you to offer up your plans because he has bigger and better plans. So um, if that is you, if you have felt something on your heart for any of those three things, can I get you to just put up your hand where you are? And if you're you're all right with that, we'll have folks around you... um, We'll pray for you. Is there anyone that wants a bit of prayer? So have a look around, see if there are people around that want prayer. All right. If we could gather around those folk, that would be great. And I'll just I'll close in prayer in a few minutes.